morning, church. <laughs> uh, it's an absolute honor to be with you today, to worship with you this Sunday, uh, and to delight in God's word this morning. Uh, my name is Shannon Blarum. I have the, the privilege of being a pastor here at this church. Um, if you are new to Free Methodist, welcome. We are so glad you are here, and we hope you feel encouraged this morning. Um, for those who are streaming our service, we want to thank you for your diligence and hard work it takes to engage online. And we look forward to the day that our entire community will be able to gather again safely. This Sunday, we have the opportunity to study Hebrews 12, 14 through 17, uh, ending our time with communion. If you don't already have your Bibles, please open them, thumb to the text, because I would love for you to be able to study along this morning. And phones, I guess, are okay for you to use, as long as you're not on Instagram. Uh, we have spent several months studying Hebrews as a church. With the next few Sundays uh, being devoted to the end of the letter, which is more practical in nature. As a reminder, the first 10 chapters of Hebrews is deeply theological, and it is emphatic that Christ is superior, Lord of all, Lord of our lives, and Lord over our circumstances. Hebrews spends 10 chapters drilling this theological point over and over and over again. We learn Jesus is better than angels, brings a better life to humanity through salvation, offers a better hope than the Mosaic law, a better sacrifice to our sins than a bull or a goat, and a better inheritance in heaven for those who place their faith in him. Hebrews asserts that there is no other revelation but Jesus Christ as Messiah and Savior because Christ is superior. Hebrews was written for a Jewish community that was struggling with persecution and pressured to abandon Christianity and return back to Judaism. The writer is appealing to this community to be resilient in faith, to persevere and to remain committed to the truth of Christ despite these hardships. When I read Hebrews, I read an author who sees the desperation of a community needing hope and reassurance. In times of hardship, it is easy to forget who you are, what you believe, and you can feel lost. The first 10 chapters are not to be belaboring, but are intended to remind these believers of what the truth is. The truth they originally came to understand for themselves, that Christ is superior, Lord of all. And from this context, the author in Hebrews chapters 11 through 13 pivots from this sort of theological treatise to encourage the church to not give up on faith, but to live out the Christian message so that others might come to know Christ, to know the same truth that was expressed in the first 10 chapters. Last week, thank you, Pastor Doug, 
We learned in chapter 12, the church should run with endurance the race set before them, modeling their faith after Christ, the supreme example of a resilient faith. In verses 14 through 17, our text for today, the author continues then with these exhortations. Please read with me. Pursue peace with everyone and the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble, and through it many become defiled. See to it that no one becomes like Esau, an immoral and godless person who sold his birthright for a single meal. You know that later, when he wanted to inherit the blessing, he was rejected, for he found no chance to repent, even though he sought the blessing with tears. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. In Hebrews 12, 14 through 17, the author instructs the Jewish Christian community in Hebrews to be people of peace and holiness so that others, through their example, may come to know Christ. To be resilient in faith is to be faithful in your Christian life. And according to this author, to be faithful is to be a person of peace and holiness. In verse 14, the word pursue in the Greek is an imperative or a command. It means to follow or press hard after with earnestness and diligence, moving energetically towards the goal of something. So the author is exhorting the church to run a race where there is earnest effort made towards right relationship with people, living in peace and right relationship with God, living in holiness. For this author, the Christian life does not separate those two. We must be people, again, who have right relationship with others and live in peace. And as a Christian, have right relationship with God, living in holiness. In order to have right relationship with people, peace, the church in verse 15 must accept the responsibility of looking after one another and tending to any bitterness that might be evident in the community. When the author writes, see that no one fails, the concept is not asking the church to be nosy or meddlesome. The words in the Greek are closely tied to this concept of stewardship. We are to be good stewards of one another in our faith and to look out for one another so that we all flourish in our Christian walk. The term picria, which is kind of a fun term, say that like five times, picria, picria, picria. Uh, picria in verse 15 uh, is bitter root. It was used literally to describe plants that produce, that produce inedible or poisonous fruit. Greeks described the figurative use of picria as long-standing resentment, as the spirit which would be refused to be reconciled. Theologian Leon Morris writes, A bitter root is a root that bears bitter fruit. So it is possible for the seed of bitterness to be sown in a community, and though nothing is immediately apparent, in due time the inevitable fruit appears. 
Bitterness is antithetical to peace. I have been around bitter people. I too have experienced bitterness in my own life. And the anger and the resentment that flows from that bittered life can embitter others. It spreads like a bad weed, spoiling the garden, because often bitter people want allies. We want other people on our side because we feel so deeply wronged and we feel so hurt by others. But if the church is to be an example of Christ, the supreme example of a resilient faith, then bitterness bitterness must be dealt with and rooted out. Christ had every reason to be bitter. An innocent man crucified for the sins of the world, (laughs) but yet We, as believers, know in Christ, grace, love, forgiveness, acceptance, the very opposite of bitterness. And it's why this author is is emphasizing, pleading with this church to root bitterness out so that in the life of the church, we may represent God's grace and be people of forgiveness and that that may flourish in the relationships that we have here. And as a result, people may come to know the truth of the gospel. In order to have right relationship with God, holiness, the church in verse 16 must guard against an unfaithful heart. The church is instructed not to fall into the same trap as Esau, trading in his blessing for a momentary gratification of his appetite. Some of the other translations of this verse read, see that no one is sexually immoral or is godless like Esau. However, in context, it seems that immoral is not talking about sexual sin as much as it's talking about spiritual adultery. The story of Esau in Genesis 25 through 27 has no record of Esau being involved in any sexual sin. He married foreign women to annoy his parents, but that's about all. (laughs) The immoral behavior seems to have been that he traded his birthright for a single meal. A birthright in the Old Testament was very significant. Jacob and Esau were twins, but Esau was the first one born. And as a result, he would receive the majority of the family inheritance. The story in Genesis tells that that Esau was so hungry that he felt like he was going to die. He was so desperate for some of the stew that Jacob made that he was willing to trade his birthright for a bowl of stew. He gave up what was enduring for what would quickly pass away. How often are we tempted to do the same? The author is pressing this point. Even in the face of great desperation, the church should persist in the face of persecution and oppression and not give up faith because hope, hope is in the internal and that is much more glorious and enduring. The author in Hebrews 12 uh, verses 14 through 17, is making it very clear to the Jewish Christian community that they should maintain peace and live holy lives as faithful believers in Christ. 
To live a resilient faith is one where they look out for one another. And if people find themselves weak in faith, they work hard to serve as stewards of support and care. If people feel hurt by others in the Christian community and thus harbor bitterness, they work to resolve this pain. They work to pluck it, unroot it, so that it does not cause others to fall away from Christ. Bitterness sours the Christian message, making it difficult to consume, because how can people believe in the liberating power of forgiveness and grace when it's not lived out in the body of Christ? And finally, the author reminds this Jewish community to not give up its inheritance, the truth of Christ. Even when we feel the pressure to do so because of hardships, persecutions, social isolation, ridicule. Those are momentary difficulties in light of the internal promises of God, the promise that God has for God's people. For the Hebrew author, remember, Christ is superior. Christ is Lord. Christ is Lord over all our circumstances. As we prepare our own hearts for communion today, Hebrews 12, 14 through 17 offers some reflections for us to consider. This past year has been so hard. So hard. It has been demanding on all of us. It's been demanding of the global world. Some of us may feel incredibly fatigued by what we have endured through this pandemic. And in that fatigue, we might need somebody to write us 10 solid chapters reminding us of the glory of God, that Christ is superior, that Christ is Lord of all. We may need a theological treatise to enliven ourselves in such a way that we may be people of hope. For some of us, we might be having a hard time maintaining peace, especially with what's happening in our current context here in the United States, where we see so much polarization. We may see moments where it's so difficult to even talk to your neighbor or let alone a family member. And so it may be hard to strive for peace when we feel disappointed or angered. I know for me, uh, I relate to this. It's hard for me to want to seek peace when I feel so strongly about the work of justice. And peace does not erase justice. But for me, how I love and treat another in mutual respect truly seeking to understand a person's perspective, for me, maybe I need to really do the work in this time of communion to really ask the Spirit to give me the strength to be able to be a person of peace. Maybe for some, we're feeling bitter. We've been hurt, whether that's hurt by a family member, hurt by someone in this church, hurt by a neighbor, hurt by colleagues, and we are struggling with a sense of bitterness in our heart. For others, maybe it's a feeling of conviction. Struggling with the same reality that Esau was struggling with. <laughs> what are we abandoning in our convictions, our values, the things that we have come to know truth for momentary pleasures? 
Each of us in this time of communion have the joy of being able to profess a deep belief in Jesus Christ, who I said earlier had every right to be bitter, but instead in the powerful message of the gospel, we learn that Christ gave his life so that we may know the power of a free life, a life that is set free so that we may be people of hope despite the struggle, that we may be people of peace despite the struggle that we may have with one another, despite the bitterness we may be feeling with unforgiveness in our heart, despite the fact that at times we may have done things that we are not proud of, that did not align with our conviction. Because Christ is superior. Christ is Lord of all. When we take communion, that is our liturgical prayer. When I take the body and the blood, I am reminded of that sacrifice. And it allows me to recommit myself to the beauty of the gospel. And that, church, is a beautiful word. (laughs) Thank you, Hebrews. Thank you. So I want to, before we get into the beautiful art of communion, I want to give everybody just a brief moment of silence. Some time for you to actually pray to God, have an opportunity to commune with the Spirit and to say, Lord, in Hebrews 12, 14 through 17, before I take communion, what in my heart do I need to confess? And what in my heart do I need to receive in the message of the gospel. So I'm going to give you guys just some time and I'll step back up and we will begin the process of communion. Thank you, church. Thank you for listening. If you would like to learn more about the Free Methodist Church of Santa Barbara, you can visit us online at fmcsb.org. We pray this message has been a blessing to you.